Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Okay, well, maybe we need to change up some things. It seems like their strategy is really working and ours is just crumbling. It might be because we don't really have a strategy. Have you ever thought that maybe we need to do this together? Hey, this is Michelle Spiber, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into doing some real wisdom training as we talk about thinking strategically. I'll see you on the flip. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. And in today's Wisdom Smack podcast, we're going to be talking about how to think higher, how to think strategically, and how to think past the obvious. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I was dealing with a situation today and I got the opportunity to talk with someone. And when I was gathering the information that they could bring to the table and what they knew, it was uh, very superficial. It was very on the nose, meaning that what you see is what you get. And that's fine for certain things. And, you know, there are certain literal takes, but sometimes you have to understand how to be figurative, how to look beyond what is uh, presented to see the underlying conversations and codes and things that can happen. And I'm just going to go and cut to the chase. Uh, when you think strategically, you are thinking for different layers of communication, different peoples, and different contexts and situations. And you're also having to think on um, multiple sides of a situation. And I took this uh, for granted for a long time because I didn't know that one of the byproducts of writing as a fictional author where you're going to have a protagonist, which is the main character, and a villain, which is the antagonist, is to do a villain correctly, you have to make sure that you understand that villain is the hero of his or her own world. Or you become, you just pre present some caricature mustache twirling buffoon. And so doing that started to lead me down the path of starting to figure out how to think strategically. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am some grand strategist. I am not. I think I'm very, I'm, um, I, I think I'm still in my infancy of just even trying to understand st uh, strategy. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you definitely understand that I am purposefully learning strategy from old. And currently, I've been in vacillating between Ottoman Empire and uh, 
early feudal Asian strategy of learning how the great strategists of those times and those periods thought and what they did to be able to produce the actions and the works that they were able to produce. And contemporarily, uh, jumping back to contemporary, I see a lot of the same things being acted, enacted where it is really true that there is nothing new under the sun. If you already know the pattern, then a lot of times it's blaringly so that you're like, oh, they're doing this or they're doing that. Whether it's beknownst to them or not, we tend to be creatures of habit, of pattern, uh, and of code. And so coming to you and giving you our little brief chat today of how to start beginning to think on strategy is my hopefully love letter, not love letter, but uh, love interaction with you to hopefully inspire you and pique your interest to, to start going deeper to do this, okay? All right, so thank you for allowing me that little introduction. And as you can tell, I am still working with my allergies. But like I said before, as long as I can get a voice out that's um, fairly unobtrusive, we're going to continue to do this. So thank you so much for that. All right, so the first thing uh, that I want to talk about when you want to, and I encourage you to, when you want to start building your ability to think strategically is to understand that our mental capacity is like a muscle and that if you leave it to its own devices, it gets weak and it gets pliable. And when I say pliable, what I'm actually saying is impressionable, that when you are not aware of the abilities that your mind, not your brain, your mind, because your your brain, your brain contain some of your mind, but your mind is way larger than your brain or even your body. But when I'm talking about this whole mental strengthening, just like the muscles of your body, when left unattended, the brain, brain's ability will atrophy, seize up, and will start to degrade to the point where anybody with a good sounding argument that is new (laughs) and has the least bit of excitement or fun to it will sway you. And then you will become a puppet and a ploy or even a little puppy (laughs) to what they want. And so when you're starting to think strategically, what you're first doing is starting to get an understanding and an appreciation of mental strengthening and that it is a skill that can be grown, but it takes time and patience, endurance, and it takes consistency and diligence. It doesn't feel good. It's going to require you to do things that you don't naturally want to do, like read and read dense materials, read histories. Um, It's going to require you to get comprehension of what you read, and it's going to require you to be able to synthesize and put different things together in a way that makes sense and will answer things. And I'm just going to say, as an aside to when you start consciously, mentally strengthening yourself, you're going to find that as a result, your ability to problem solve in creative and unique ways that can be a lot of times more efficient is going to be a byproduct that byproduct 
that starts to happen for you. And so it is a win-win, but there is a price to be paid. And the thing is, is thinking strategically cannot be outsourced. I mean, yes, you can hire people to think strategically for you, but if you're hiring them and you don't have any way to do it as well, if they are not for you, if they don't have good intentions, soon you will be paying them to take over your mind, your operations, your life, or whatever. And so this is not to get you scared. It is to get you uh, a fire up under you to understand that as a being of sovereignty, as we've talked about here, you need to be paying attention to the need for mental strengthening. And yes, it can be taught. And that is why we have so many sage wisdom people around. And when you see trainees and things of people offering and and it intrigues you, take it. Pay the people, y'all. Do the courses and learn and grow because you cannot do things as usual anymore. We are in a chaotic time when everything is in disruption. Everything has changed. And as I've said over and over again from E.O. Wilson's famous quote, that only those people who are great synthesizers, a.k.a. mentally strong, are going to be able to make sense and put into context all this huge information that we have coming at us day in and day out. They're going to be able to understand what is important for this situation and what is not. And they will be the true leaders and they will be the people who get paid, who are able to live a life that is not so arduous and they're going to be the people who survive and thrive. So this is a tip off to let you know that wisdom is wanting you to get in gear now. Give yourself time now to start mentally strengthening Wisdom strengthening. That's why you listen to this podcast every day because you want to strengthen your wisdom. And in turn, you want to think strategically. All right. So the thing is, is to think what you want to do is you want to start when you're doing your mental strengthening and gathering different information and patterns and kind of bolstering your background history and bolstering those foundational things that you need to be able to do what it is you need to do you start to be able to uh, get to a point where you can think in a way that includes other people's motivations, what their classic reactions are, and their probable trajectories. One of the things that I have seen over and over again in my studies of these ancient military strategies, as well as contemporary non-military strategies, are these three things. That great strategists are able to understand and know a lot of times better than the people themselves what their true motivations are, what their true classic reactions are going to be, meaning that over a period of time, they have come to understand human nature in a way that they have a high probability of knowing that if they push this lever and they know your reaction and your motivation, that you're most likely going to have this kind of classic reaction. And then they also have studied history, studied people, studied situations enough to be able to figure out what you're probably going to end up at, where you're going to probably be. So they understand probable trajectories. 
You see, one of the things that I've I've, uh, highlighted in other podcasts, and it came from a fictitious character from a book, uh, The Engines of God, uh, where this fictitious character who's an archaeologist says to the effect, uh, show me what uh, people admire and I'll show you what matters to them most. And I even did a podcast about admiration. And it it goes into this uh, understanding of how to think strategically. When you start to understand the power of what people admire, of what they pay attention to, and what they willingly give their time for, you start to get a really big insight into how to, I hate to say it, but manipulate situations and possibly people. Okay, so like this, you, if say for instance, you want to get free labor out of people and you understand that traditionally people only give free labor when it's for a good cause. I mean, that's, that's nothing deep. Most people know that. What you would do is you would couch whatever it is you wanted into, you guessed it, some type of great cause. And it's been happening, especially since the 2010s, where you had companies that would come up and they wanted to make a profit. And they knew that they wanted to get a lot of people on board. And so what did they do? They coupled their products with great causes. For instance, you had Tom's Shoes, where for every pair of Tom's that you bought, they would donate a pair to some struggling little kid out there in some country where they needed shoes. And because people equated that to a great cause, they didn't see it as just buying a pair of shoes. They saw it as getting a great deal by way of these shoes by having a twin out there wearing the other side of their shoes. And so people embrace that. And over and over again, you started to see a lot of companies adapting this as their strategy for market share and market growth, where they were proud to tell you for every percentage of the dollar spent, we will donate it to X, Y, and Z. And so they started to understand that. And again, I say, we pay attention to the actions of strategy but are not but we don't pay attention to the inspiration behind those actions that were the cause and the creation of them in the first place and what i mean by that is we look at what strategic thinking produces but we seldom as general population kind of folk we seldom go back to the mind or the situation that caused this action to be created in the first place and it's a, it's very telling when you look at that and so going back to tom shoes and uh, a lot of different uh, places who insta um, put this into their uh, business strategy if you look at the around the 2000s you started to see that uh, venture capital was good and all of this, but it was declining because of how bad it had gotten in the late 1990s where people were throwing money crazy. As long as you had a dot-com behind your name, they were just giving you money and they weren't requiring any kind of profits. 
But that money, it didn't go away. It just got more persnickety. And people wanted to be able to continue to uh, have startups and get funding, and they wanted to get these dollars. And so what better way than to use, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, leverage and pressure. And when I talked about leverage and pressure before, it's simply this, where when you use leverage, you're using a, a, a lever to lift a lot. You're actually getting it where you get a lot of people putting in on the work that you need to happen to get something done when you're not able to do it by yourself. But when you leverage enough people, resources and things, you're able to do it. So you had a lot of companies by the 2010s that saw that we still need this venture capital because we still need the funding and traditional by this time, small business loans and micro loans and things like that have become uh glorified unicorns where they weren't able to get them just because they wanted them and they showed profitable uh, situations. And so they were like the venture capital or the VC money is the easier money to get. But there's a gulf between getting that and uh, where we are. And so they learned to use these strategies by getting people to believe in a cause that just so happened to be related to a business and a company that produced a product. And so once they were able to get a lot of monies coming in from people by leveraging them and the pressure part comes by way of people feeling the civic duty and the pressure to only contribute to companies that have meaning behind them, that have uh, the public interest at hand, that want to do better for the environment. You started seeing companies that would talk about what percentage of their materials were recycled to not harm the earth, and so on and so on. You started to see people really getting into this. And this came about by strategically thinking, but looking at the minds that came up with this, they still wanted that venture capital and or they wanted to build up a company to be able to sell it off. And so what they were able to do, and I'm not saying that Tom's shoes or any of this kind of stuff did that. I'm just giving you a, for instance, of uh, an amalgamation of a lot of different companies that use these strategies so that you can understand what we're talking about when we talk about things strategically. And so what ended up happening is in the 2010s, you had a lot of people that would take an idea and then they would couple it with a cause or some kind of uh, way to get people to be happy about giving them money (laughs) for their products. And they would raise enough income and enough uh, excitement about the product so that the people with the venture capital and those people looking to have a pretty good startup that they could take their funds and continue to run, and they will buy them out. And so most people were like, I want a valuation of at least a billion dollars, and then I will, well, excuse me, not a billion, I want a valuation of at least $5 million, and then I can 10X it and cash out for $50 million, and I'll be happy. And over and over, people did this. And this was strategic. You cannot fault them. You cannot hate them because they did what we're talking about today. They understood what was happening. They were wise enough 
to go back and do their history, look for the patterns, understand the trajectories, the classic reactions, and uh, other people's motivations for why they would do what they were doing. And they got what they wanted. So well, where does this leave us? So now that I've talked about uh, examples of strategy from warfare to business and the like, when we're talking about us individually and using the wisdom of thinking strategically, we need to understand that when we dig deep, we are here to understand some internal truths, truths about ourselves. And that is that what we desire is most is the highest primed cause of our destruction. Think about it. Think about lottery winners or overnight sensations who get exactly what they want. They probably get it too fast and too soon. If they're not careful, it will ruin them or their family or or whatever. You've heard stories of people getting murdered for their lottery winnings or their children just going to pot, you know, uh, because of the swift windfall of money and people not wanting to deprive their children now that they have it. And on and on, the sorrowful stories that have come. And people who are strategic tend to know these things about human nature. And it's not where it's something that you even have to dig up so much as to understand that when you give a human being something that they've been aspiring for and has especially for a long time and they have not been able to do it themselves and you give it to them, you set them up for failure. Just being honest, you really do. And I will go on to say this, that people who do have a lot understand this about the majority of people. And so I want you to be cognizant and aware of the possible pitfalls that can happen when you don't necessarily understand that a strategic game plan is in effect on your life. So think about it. We are ruled by, remember I told you there are are some uh, eternal truths that we need to understand about human nature. Understand this part, that we are ruled by power and we are contained by order. And these two things have been in effect for many years and they've been in effect in a way that's been so brilliant that it's invisible and hidden before our eyes. Over and over again, great historians, theologians, as well as thought thinkers from Descartes, uh, and uh, I, I, I could call a lot of them, but I, I, I want to just make sure that I tell you this, that there are things that people in the know who are mentally strong and who do understand strategic thinking already know. There is a famous statement that says something to the, along the, the lines of this, and that is uh, one priest can do the work of a thousand soldiers faster, more effectively, and more efficiently. And so what they understand about the everyday person, the plebeian, they understand that we are contained by order. And the way they do this order is to get us to put sacrifice behind this order and belief within the order and the sacrifice. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, the best way to keep people in line is through organized religion, organized beliefs, and organized understandings of right and wrong for a society. 
Because if not, you get anarchy and you get uh, people who are wanting to do things their way and they don't want to conform to what everybody else wants. And so it can cause some problems. So I am not here to say that order is not worthy and that we don't need it. But instead, I'm wanting to just call attention to why we have the certain things that we do to keep people in order. Because think about it. If nobody told you that stealing was wrong and you didn't have that droned into you from birth, for some people, it would be absolutely wrong. And for some people, it would be conditionally wrong. (laughs) Okay, they would be like, "Okay, when everything is going well, we don't steal. But when things are low, everybody for themselves and I got to do what I got to do to feed my family. You know, so there would be different grades of order. If we didn't, I mean, of uh, right and wrong, morality, ethics, and those kinds of things without this order in place. And so because strategic thinking has taught us that there are things that you need to understand about human nature, and I'm going to say them again, that you need to understand people's motivations. You need to understand their classic reactions and their probable trajectories. When you understand that, then you are well and able to be able to craft an action plan to get what you want. Going back to the example of Tom's shoes, they know that people are willing to work for free or give you money for a good cause. If you want to leverage the efforts of a lot of people, appeal to their heartstring of a cause. If you don't have a cause and you want to make a lot of money from people, appeal to their fear of annihilation and you can sell things like that. It has gotten, think about insurance and how prevalent it is and why we need it. Because without insurance, uh, things go really bad for people out there. But it is part of the fear of what could happen. And so at first, insurance for the most part used to be nice to have if you can get it. But because it proved itself over and over again to help with our motivations, our reactions, our probable trajectories, a lot of legislation came in, especially in the United States, to make it mandatory. Everything from your house, your car, uh, and if you have a job, they want to have health insurance on you for your for the longevity of your job, your kids, your family, and all of this kind of stuff. So it became a shield and a sword in that it would protect you, but it would also fend off attacks if something went wrong. And so over and over again, we start to see that we truly are ruled by power and contained by order. So let's talk a little bit about the power side. So the power side is going to be knowledge, science, and resources. So whereas on the order side, order is going to be uh, morality, ethics, and uh, religion, Uh, The power side is going to be science, knowledge, and resources. And power is usually going to be protected by the elite, meaning that in order for you to get into the upper echelons of real power, of where real power resides, you must go through an initiation. You must break a lot of barriers and you probably are going to have to go to war. Don't believe me? Go and try to start a new power company tomorrow. If you try to start a new power company, say, for instance, you figured out how to take glass, everyday glass, or sand, which has, you know, 
it's basically glass in, in a different form. And you've learned how to get sand and the sun to give you more energy than the world has ever known. And so you got the product uh, and you say, I'm going to make a company out of it. Watch and see how fast the powers that be are going to come down. First, they're going to try to get you with permits and legislation. They're going to tell you you're not uh, licensed. They're going to tell you you can't get the permit to help this uh, area. And then if that doesn't work, then they're going to sue you. And then if that doesn't work, then they're going to uh, make you go through uh, a whole lot of things that you would be like, all I wanted to do was just open my own company. But what you have to understand is that it's not as easy as said as done like that. Uh, when you're dealing in the realms of power, oh my gosh, you open up a lot. Uh, Byron Allen has talked about the process that happens when you try to do this. And he has talked about how when you try or attempt to uh, go into these realms of power, he says that they do four things to you. He says at first they dismiss you, then they discredit you, then they demonize you, and then they try to destroy you. And that is what happens when you start to try to operate in the realms of power. And to get around this, you have to, you guessed it, think strategically because the powers that be are still human. And if you understand the human nature, you are able to circumvent and do a lot. Now, this is the part that I want to make sure I get in before I have to close this down. And that is, if you are trying to think strategically to better yourself, better your life, your people, your world, or whatever. Understand that there are things about you that you might not know that others do. And these are just a few quick ones. And that is that we are not only ruled by power and contained by order, but when given money and power, most people self-destruct. You heard it here. When given money and power, most people self-destruct. And so a lot of times your enemies are the first ones with a check in hand when they see you trying to do something. Oh, we'll give you money. We'll give you money. And you would think that it would be uh, the last thing they would want to do. But it's not because if you ever want to implode a movement, a business or a power grab, throw money at them and then watch the men fight. And that's strategic thinking because they know your ways. Remember, they've studied your motivations, your classic reactions, and your probable trajectories for years while you've been just thinking that everything is kumbaya. And they understand history. They understand human life, life development. They understand human psychology. And they are willing and able to use it at any given time. So I just want to tell you, these last few seconds that we have, it is time for you to become mentally uh, strong, uh, wisdom infused, and for you to start thinking strategically. And you need to start looking at how uh, motivations work. What are classic reactions that people will have to something? What is the probable trajectory of what you're trying to do as it pertains to other people? Learn to not only look at what you want, but what other people want and their motivations. Understand that we are ruled by power and contained by order, but that when you give people money and power without them being trained on how to use it, they normally self-destruct.
And be wary of people who are easy with their cash to give you money. They are probably not on your side. (laughs) So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And guess what? I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.